This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. You can watch us on ESPNU, listen on all of our great ESPN stations across the country, Sirius XM80, and the ESPN app. Raiders, Packers, Monday Night Football. The Raiders win 17-13. We'll get to that in a second, but there is some breaking news this morning. Adam Schefter, Tom Pelissaro, NFL Network, both reporting that the Vikings are going to be putting Justin Jefferson, their stud wide receiver, on the IR, which creates an interesting situation considering they are already 1-4. and four. They have the Bears this week on the road, and then they have the Niners at home, which is obviously a loss. Um, well, we assume anybody who plays the Niners is a loss. I think that a lot of people did not realize, we talked about it early on, that the Vikings during the offseason did a little bit of rebuilding without there being a lot of fanfare because it didn't involve the quarterback position with Kirk Cousins. But a lot of guys from Dalvin Cook to Adam Thielen to Eric Kendricks, their defender, their linebacker, um, all on other teams now. Now I think the real hype is going to start around a Kirk Cousins trade. That hadn't already started? I think it's going to be I thought that started level. after week one when Aaron Rodgers got hurt. Jets yeah. fans were clamoring for their it. front office to go after Kirk Cousins. Haven't we talked about him to Atlanta? Yeah, we've been, we, we've been we, talking we, about we've it We've been shopping weeks. Kirk Cousins everywhere except for <laughs> staying with the Minnesota Vikings. But now it feels even more obvious with Justin Jefferson on IR and being on the shelf for over a month. I mean, I mean, put Kirk Cousins in bubble wrap and let it be the Nick Mullins show. Like, let Nick <laughs> Mullins, the backup, go out there and play games. Don't let Kirk get hurt and auction them off to the highest bidder. If you thought Kirk Cousins was a part of your long-term future, then you would have paid him by now. There's a reason why you didn't. And so he's not Kevin O'Connell's guy. It doesn't seem like he's their new GM's guy, Coefia Dosamenta. So it, it seems like it just makes sense, given that Justin Jefferson is out, that you would move off of Cousins. The only reason that I could have seen the Vikings justifying keeping Kirk Cousins is because you want to keep Justin Jefferson happy. Now you ain't even got to worry about that. Right. Like, he, he doesn't have his money. He's not going to be playing, so he's not going to be focused on his stats and yards. Go ahead and trade Kirk Cousins. You won't get a better opportunity. Again, once we get to the offseason, you don't have any more control over that. You can't franchise tag him. You know, and then beyond that, teams will have other options at the quarterback spot. So it feels like there should be a groundswell of urgency in Minnesota to move off of Cousins. What's the team? We're going to stick with Atlanta, or are we on a different team now? Oh, I'm sticking with Atlanta. I'm not. Listen, Desmond Ritter had a nice day, but I'm not going to let that um, conflate what I think he is as a quarterback. There are limitations with Desmond Ritter as your quarterback. I think Kirk Cousins to that Atlanta Falcons offense makes them a different team. All of a sudden now we're talking about them being able to win the NFC South and host a home playoff game. Who are you scared of at the quarterback spot in that division? We scared of Baker Mayfield? We scared of Derek Carr? Hell no. So I ain't worried about that. Like, I get Kirk Cousins on the Atlanta Falcons. They are the favorites to win the NFC South. And if he makes you a favorite to win your division and host a home playoff game, then it makes the move worth it. And here's the great thing about Kirk. It's not just for the here and now, but you have an opportunity to extend him and make him your quarterback for the foreseeable future. And for a team with as many young pieces as Atlanta has, it seems like that's a good way to go. You talked about 
maybe the only reason that you would want to keep him is to not upset Justin Jefferson. Well, in addition to missing those four games, Adam Schefter tweeting that he's going to still be reevaluated after that to see whether he might need to miss more time. He could be out longer than four weeks. So I would be surprised if we don't see Minnesota make a move with Kirk Cousins. A.K.A. they're going to lose a bunch of games. Cousins may or may not be there. They're probably going to be in tank mode. Why risk injury when he doesn't have a long-term contract extension? Exactly. And I'm not suggesting he's going to quit on the team. What I'm saying is collectively with the team, they make a smart business decision for the future and you know everybody came on a few weeks ago and talked about the Jets and I'm pushing the Falcons and here's here's the other thing that makes sense Desmond Ritter to to Minnesota makes sense for the rest of the season because Taylor Heineke is the backup in Atlanta like that's not a bad depth chart all of a sudden if you have Cousins and then Heineke and you sign them long term all right you got the Raiders last night beating the Packers 17-13 in a game that um yeah, I'm going to say it's not going to be a Super Bowl rematch. Just I'm going out on a limb saying that these two teams will not play <clears throat> Excuse me, in the Super Bowl. And neither of these teams are overly impressive. But as crazy as this sounds, CeCe, I think that both of them are in okay spots right now. If you look at the Raiders' schedule, Patriots, Bears, at the Lions, Shines, Jets. Winnable games. And if you look at the Packers, on the whole, they're not going to win the division. We know that Detroit's really good. But they're still going to end up right around 8-9, 9-8. And, nine, nine and, and if they can do that, that's a huge win with, in essence, a rookie quarterback. I know it's his fourth year, but first year as a starter. Yeah, it's never going to be a smooth transition anytime you move away from a Hall of Fame quarterback. We've gone chapter and verse in terms of the instances where we've seen it, whether it's been in New Orleans with Drew Brees, Peyton Manning with the, with the, uh, with the Denver Broncos, Eli Manning with the New York Giants. Ben Roethlisberger with the Pittsburgh Steelers, it's never easy. So we know it's going to be a little bit clunky. It's going to be uneven. I'm not surprised on what the Green Bay Packers are, and I'm not surprised that Jordan Love has struggled the way he has out of the gates. I do think he'll get better as the season goes on. There's only so much learning you can do in the classroom. But in looking at these two teams, I think it was a bigger game for the Las Vegas Raiders, and you saw it the way that that team played from start to finish. They had the energy. They had the enthusiasm. They were flying around. There were some miscues on the offensive side of the ball. Jimmy Garoppolo throwing a pick, those types of things can't happen. But you're talking about a defense that only had one takeaway going into week five and had three of them last night, including two picks by Spillane, the linebacker. So I I thought that they did a really good job of taking advantage of the mistakes that the Packers made in limiting the big plays. And here's the thing, on the one big play that the Green Bay Packers did have, Marcus Peter had a heads-up play with the horse-collar tackle on Christian Watson that ended up saving a touchdown, and they held the Packers to a field goal. That's a four-point penalty, a four-point play by Marcus Peter. Really smart, and Josh McDaniels acknowledged so much after the game. But overall, I thought that was much more important for the Vegas Raiders to get it done because you are talking about a coach in Josh McDaniels that is on the hot seat this year. What do you think that they would need to do in order for him to keep his job? Or or do you think that he's going to keep it regardless? Because he does seem like somebody who constantly gets chance after chance after chance outside of New England. Yeah, there's a few factors here because, uh, you know, going into last season – the speculation was about the finances. Because remember, they're paying John Gruden a ton of money, then mm-hmm. they, they fired him. They gave him that massive contract, which was crazy, obviously, looking back on it. They didn't want to fire necessarily McDaniels to pay three coaches at that point. You have to ask the question, if and when the Brady ownership stake gets approved, does he have a say? Because Josh McDaniels is obviously his guy. But I think we're going to know over the, the next five games. They've got to win at least three of those next five. When you have the Patriots, Bears, Giants, and Jets at home, I mean, that's 
come on. You've got to win at least three of those five. And if you don't, if you have a losing record in the next five games, then he's putting himself in a situation to potentially get fired. Yeah, I think he's got to be around 500. And, and, and depending on how it looks, is going to determine his job security. The one thing I'll say is, like, his specialty is supposed to be the offensive side of the ball. Their offense ain't been special. It hasn't. <laughs> Their offense ain't cracked 20 points yet this season. 17 points, 10 points, 18 points, 17 points, 17. Bro, this is the NFL. If teams are holding you in the teens in scoring, it's going to make it hard to win. I don't give it. It doesn't matter if your defense is the 85 Bears or the 2000 Ravens. Like, at some point, you got to score points. And that's Josh McDaniels' claim to fame. That's why he went out and got Jimmy Garoppolo. You got Devontae Adams. You invested a high draft pick in Michael Mayer at a tight end. Like, you're, you've got Josh Jacobs under contract. Bro, you're supposed to score some points. The Raiders ain't scoring no points. And that's why Devontae Adams, the best player on the team, mm-hmm. is frustrated. And that's why we floated the idea on whether or not they could potentially move Devontae Adams before the deadline. Now, I don't think that's going to happen because I do think they're going to win the next two games with the Bears and the Patriots on deck. But I, I, I think that this team has to make significant strides on the offensive side of the ball, and then their overall record has to put them in position to contend for a playoff spot once we get to December. If both of those things aren't true, then I think we could be talking about yet another coaching change with Vegas. Yeah, the ESPN cameras got a shot of Mark Davis, the owner of the team, last night on, on one of the early turnovers, good field position. They couldn't score a touchdown. They had to settle for a field goal. He did not look happy in that spot with his great haircut. Um, wow. You know, wow. it looks great. I mean, wow. you don't think it looks awesome? It looks like somebody that was cast for Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> no disrespect to Mark Davis. That's what it looks like. That's kind of disrespectful, don't you think? Is it not true? Oh, no, I think Dumb and Dumber is a great movie. So I think the hair, I'm just talking about the haircut. It looks like somebody put a bowl on it, right? I can't and then believe they cut around he, it. He pays someone to do that. The same, I, I believe somebody did a story How do I get that one. job? How do I get that job? And I bet he does. It's it not pays, a cheap it pays haircut. Well. Yeah, yeah, it pays, pays well. How much do you think he pays for that haircut? Uh, there was a story. I'm going to find it. Doesn't he fly the barber in or something? I'm um, stand by. I'm an un, I'm an under like thirty dollars, forty dollars yeah. guy for my haircut. Yeah. What? Do you, how much are you? Must be nice. Yeah, about thirty, forty bucks. 30, 30, 40 bucks. Yeah. I bet you he pays at least triple that for the bowl cut that he has around yeah. his head. At could, least could that be, could be more than that. You think more than triple us? Could be, could be more than that. Let's yeah. put us at thirty-five. Yeah, right. But just on average, let's yeah. just say. All right, Small's going to look that up. I mean, a hundred bucks. Yeah, I can see him paying more than a hundred bucks for a haircut. But look at the way it looks. What do you want me to say, Ev? It's a choice. I mean, at least if he's David, it's a Beckham choice. It's not that one that you or I would make, but it is a choice. I guess when you have so much money, it doesn't even matter. Yeah. You don't even notice it. Yeah. You don't even notice it at that point. But you know what's funny about McDaniels? I've always said about the, the Belichick assistants, they, they rightfully get ripped for their performance in the NFL. Mm-hmm. What's never brought up is the Belichick assistants in college actually do really well. Saban, um, Kirk Ferentz, Bill O'Brien, Pat Hill at Fresno State for a long period of time. Josh McDaniels, I actually think, will ultimately have more success, potentially, if he ever coaches college and he does the NFL. Because mm. I think the Belichick system is just that. It's a system. <laughs> and we have on the screen here at ESPNU. Uh, great. So this is, yeah. That's so great. He, we have the Jim Carrey haircut compared to the Mark Davis haircut. Do we know the price, though, on this? Small I'm still looking. Yeah. I know he did. It, I think he, it, he Unless he put somebody on, on salary, 
right? If he had a full-time barber. He kind of looks like Uncle Fester from the Adams Family in the one where he had the, the wife and they put the wig on his head. He kind of looks, he's giving those types of vibes. Like, this is really interesting. <laughs> like, I feel like now this is a part of a Halloween costume, like the Mark Davis Halloween costume. Do you think he does if it I really want to scare some kids, show up wearing a Mark Davis mask with that haircut. That's going to scare the hell out of some people. Do you think he does it as a bit? No. No. So I, I found an excerpt from the Real Sports interview that he did, and he was asked if there's a special barber that he goes to. And he said, there's one in Palm Desert I go to now. He'd been doing that for years when the Raiders were still in Oakland. He's only had three barbers since college. He said, it's not my barber's fault, the haircut. It's me. I force her to do it. So he why. is actively electing to have someone cut his hair this He's way. He's a masochist. That, that, that's the only explanation. It is a signature look, though. That is true. If he were to cut his hair, it would make news. Cut his hair differently. Yeah. Think about it. It's like if James Harden were to cut his beard, it would make news. I, I just think he would look awkward regardless of what the I hair is. I that looks cool. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> think about what you just said. Then he would look awkward? Like if he did the spikes like I have, if I, he has I, a knee I, up I, doing the I, hair? I think regardless of what he does, it's going to look awkward. At this point, I feel like he's trying to choose the lesser of the evils, but I don't know that he's doing a good job. <laughs> All right, I want to paint a picture for you. Oh, my God. Let's say you're back. I don't know if you can paint a picture worse than okay, that. Okay, here we go. I want, you, I want you to think about something. Mm. Okay, we're going to go back in the time machine. Chris right. Canty, number 99, is back in the NFL. Yeah. He now signs to the Las Vegas Raiders. Okay. The owner of the team <laughs> calls down and he says, hey, I'd like to speak with 99. I have some concerns with him. Okay. You go up to the office. You're sitting there face-to-face looking at him. Could you look at Mark Davis with a straight face without laughing? In his I'm not going to look directly into his eyes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm going to treat him like Charlie Murphy did Prince in that episode of Chappelle's show. I'm not going to look directly into Mark Davis's eyes. I feel like that's a mistake. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that we're going to have. You're just you know what else would have been a mistake, Smalls? What? Me signing a free agent contract in Las Vegas. So you're saying. <laughs> I you, ain't going to make it. You would not sign with the Raiders. I ain't going to make it. It would be the right choice for about three days. I ain't Smalls. I ain't going to Make it. For about three days. Oh, is, is income tax free state too? Oh, I ain't gonna make it, Smalls. I ain't gonna BMF blowing money fast. It's like the hangover. We exactly. find you on the top of the roof. I'm more concerned with my game plan away from football than I am my game plan in the building. That's right. Okay, wait a minute. You just brought up an interesting question. Hardest place to play for distractions: Miami, Vegas, Houston. New York, L.A., if you were just to say, if you had the ability to be distracted as a professional athlete with millions of dollars, which, which city is the hardest to play in relative to distractions? I mean, you hit it. Houston, Atlanta, Vegas, and then <laughs> Miami. Yeah, you got it. There's a reason why Drake got the song, Houston, Atlanta, Vegas. You answered all There's of There's one them. common yeah. thread. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's one a common thread. And we might as well throw in D.C. too. We can't forget about the district too. Oh, I didn't know D.C. Yeah, throw, oh, they, they, get, they get live. J- James Harden would love D.C. Oh. James Harden would love D.C. And the and the city you would never get distracted, where you'd be like, I'm just gonna play football the entire time. Jacksonville? Uh, yeah, Jacksonville is a real sleepy. I don't know though. Duval can kind of get a little bit live. Okay, okay. What's the city that Buffalo? Buffalo. There ain't nothing going down. So cold. Yeah, Salt you got Lake. an hour, you got an hour to get to Toronto. Yeah, Buffalo. Yeah, ain't ain't a lot going out going down in Green Buffalo. Bay. Green Bay too. That's another one. You gotta you gotta you gotta drive an hour and a half to get to Milwaukee or you gotta fly to Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Salt Lake City if you play for the Jazz. I heard Salt Lake City's kinda live though. Yeah, yeah. I heard it's kinda live. That right? threw me for a loop. I didn't know that. I heard Salt it's Lake kinda live. Fun. Okay. Yeah. All mm-hmm. right. Well there you yeah. go. Uh coming up, are we closer to seeing Bill Belichick actually get fired in season or making the playoffs with the Pats this season? We'll get to that next on Sportsman Like on ESPN Radio.
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. You can watch us on ESPNU. Listen to us on all the great ESPN stations across the country, including in Buffalo and Salt Lake City and <laughs> Green Bay and all, and all the cities that uh, don't have the distractions. And we can be your distraction every morning, and you can listen to us. And we appreciate it, of course, on the ESPN app, Series XM Channel 80. Uh, we put up in the Dr. Pepper inbox, 888-SAY-ESPN, it's part of Unsportsmanlike Nation, the poll question at Unsports ESPN. With the New England Patriots start the way it has been so far this season, what outcome is more likely for the Patriots this season? Now, we know neither of these outcomes are necessarily likely, but which one would have a greater percentage of happening? Belichick fired in season or the Patriots make the playoffs. And right now, close to 52% are saying Belichick fired in season and close to 49% are saying that the Patriots make the playoffs. 515 48.5 um, are the answers there. And it's interesting because of all of the critique of the New England Patriots right now, including from Dan Orlovsky, ESPN NFL analyst, former NFL quarterback, was on Get Up 8 a.m. Eastern with Greeny. Rex Ryan's on this clip as well yesterday. And Orlovsky had this to say about Mac Jones and the coaching he's getting in New England versus what he could get somewhere else. If Mac Jones was in San Francisco, he would be playing like Brock Birdie. I actually agree. Oh, God, no. Yes, dude. No, there's no chance. I'm actually... He'd be better than he is, but if you think he's going to play like Brock Purdy, Rex. you haven't paid attention to Brock Purdy. Rex. That is a slap in his face. No, it's he's not. not just a, he's not just a system quarterback. Did we, did we pay that guy's attention? playing like Joe Montana, not not Joe Montana, like this guy's playing. <laughs> stop, Dano, stop. Did we pay attention to Mac Jones' rookie year? So that never yes. happened? No, I did, and I even called him a pea shooter then. He did. No quarterback is going to be successful in New England. I agree with that part. No quarterback this year. Absolutely. So I think that what Rex is saying is unbelievably fair. I think it's insulting, and I don't think Dan meant to be insulting, obviously, and he knows the quarterback position, watches all the tape, et cetera. But he was insulting. Yeah. And we don't have to give that qualifier. Dan insulted what Brock Purdy did. Brock Purdy is playing at a near MVP level, and Dan is saying if you parachute Mac Jones into San Francisco, that he's going to be just as good. No, he ain't. He's not going to be just as good. He's not as good a player as Brock Purdy is. Forget about where the two were drafted. I get one was a first-round pick, one was the last pick. But the two are not the same, no matter if they're in the same situation or not. They are just not the same. And this is the problem with sports hypotheticals and why I hate them when you're looking backwards. You can never definitively prove it. You're sitting there saying, well, yeah, if Mac Jones was in that same system that Brock Purdy was in over the last two years, he'd look just as good. How the hell can you prove that? I get that we like to talk about hypotheticals into the future. That actually makes sense. Trying to use a hypothetical looking backwards as evidence of how bad the job that Bill Belichick has done in New England 
It's just flat out ridiculous. So I hate that. It's disrespectful to what Brock Purdy has done. He's got the highest QBR in football. You're talking about this guy having a top 10 completion percentage, being top 10 in yards, having nine touchdown passes to no interceptions, and as good in situational football as any quarterback we've seen through the first five games. Get that man Brock Purdy his flowers and stop low-key being disrespectful when saying that it's plug-and-play if you just throw Matt Jones into the same situation with the same team. Listen, C.J. Beathard was awful with Kyle Shanahan. Trey Lance was awful with Kyle Shanahan. Nick Mullins wasn't that good with Kyle Shanahan. And all of those are replacement-level quarterbacks. And that's the direction that Matt Jones is trending in much more. If you're asking me today, Smalls, is Matt Jones closer to being a starter in this league or a replacement-level quarterback, I am going to lean toward the latter. Because that's what it looks like right now. So I get that he was in the Pro Bowl his rookie year and they made it to the playoffs. Congratulations. He is not that same quarterback. He has regressed. And I don't know if he can ever get back on track. By every statistical measure, excuse me, probably, I would say Brock Purdy is probably better than Mac Jones. But what about the eye test? Brock Purdy is cool, calm, collected. He has unbelievable poise in his execution. He does not seem like any moment is too big for him. Conversely, when you look at Mac Jones, do you see any of those characteristics coming out of Mac Jones? He looks scared to death sometimes. He looks lost at times. So I don't think it's a simple plug and play if he got out of the seemingly disaster that we're seeing in New England. That play right there, Smalls was showing it on ESPNU with Mac Jones on a short yardage play that looked like it's going to be the tush push, and he's supposed to flip it out to Ramondre Stevenson, and it ends up being a pitch behind the running back. What does that have to do with the talent level around the quarterback? Not a damn thing. It's actually a great. It was a great play call too. It Nothing's a great play call. That ain't got nothing to do with a lack of talent around you. That ain't got nothing to do with an offensive coordinator and Bill Belichick messing that up over the last couple of years at that position. That's just a quarterback executing a pitch. Yeah, I don't think the Mac Jones reclamation project is going to be as simple as let's get him to another team and he'll be fine. No, I think that when you look at those two quarterbacks, you're going to do a compare and contrast and which one's um, which one is deserving of the opposite treatment. I would say that it's in my mind, it is more fair to critique Brock Purdy than it is to compliment Mac Jones. I think Brock Purdy is awesome. I think he's the MVP of the league and I think he's actually become underrated shockingly throughout the love. I think it's easier to critique him, which Chris has today, with the maybe, possibly, if they don't win, maybe he could be a reason. There's a lot of caveats there. There's no reason for complimenting Mac Jones right now, and I'm not trying to get personal with this with him. He just has not been a good football player. So when we're going to say, let's apply Mac Jones somewhere else and he would be good, well, what I, I don't know what we have seen to make us think that. I'm, I'm unbelievably unimpressed with him. Sadly, as a Pats fan, he has done absolutely nothing to get me going as a Pats fan here. Do you think it's more of an indictment on what we're seeing in New England? Like when someone like Dan Orlovsky makes a comment like that, is it more him trying to express just how bad it's gotten in New England and perhaps what all of this instability and change at the coordinator position has done to him? Maybe, but I also think that CeCe brings up an interesting point. There are also guys under Kyle Shanahan that haven't always been this good. Yeah, I mean, good he point. was in Washington. He was in Cleveland. People forget his stint in Cleveland. Yeah. You remember any great quarterbacks in Cleveland? Nope. No, and, and look <laughs> at the staff. They had Mike McDaniel and Kyle Shanahan, right? Wow, yeah. So it doesn't always work. It works most of the time, and there's no question he gets guys better. But the, he drafted somebody number three overall that he traded for a fourth-round pick, right? And Belichick has way more success at that position. And, and this is why I put it more on Mac than Belichick. Garoppolo looked really good under Belichick. Yep. Kobe Brissett looked really good under Belichick. Matt Castle looked really good under Belichick. Brady goes without saying. So I think there's way more success at that position. Cam, 
looked fine. Wasn't great. He was fine. He got COVID. It was set out a few weeks, totally changed that season that they had. But they found something to do with, with Cam in terms of, we're going to take advantage of what you're great at, running guys over, right? And so I think when we look at this situation, sure, Belichick deserves blame. But Mac is not a good starting quarterback. Simple as that. You put him with Kyle Shanahan, okay, so he goes from what? A D-minus to a D? C-minus maybe? Brock Purdy's an A or an A-plus right now in the league. That's not solely on Bill Belichick. Matt Jones has to take some of the hits on this as well. Coming up, we round the bases with Smalls next on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio. ESPN U. ESPN app, Sirius XM80, and all of our great ESPN stations across the country. News from Adam Schefter before we get to uh, rounding the bases here. Dolphins running back Devon HN is likely going to miss multiple weeks here with a knee injury. Candidate for injured reserve Jeff Wilson, uh, their running back that had been hurt. They are trying to get off of the IR here. He'll um, obviously compliment Raheem Mostert, two former Niners backs that were both with Mike McDaniel, head coach of the Dolphins in San France. We'll keep an eye on that. Um a-Chan has been unbelievable so far this season. He's the perfect example of why you don't pay a running back. Yeah. Who the heck knew he was going to be the run- best running back in the league this year? And he's been awesome. All right, Smalls. Baseball playoffs, of course, all can be heard right here on ESPN Radio, all postseason long. We round the bases. What do you have for us? So one of the things I love about postseason baseball, guys, is that you're going to see something that you've never seen before. Baseball was around since, what, the 1800s? Mm-hmm. And you always find ways in the postseason to have history made. And we saw it last night with the Braves and the Phillies. So the Braves rallied from a four-run deficit. They're clinging to a 5-4 lead in the ninth inning. Bryce Harper's on first. Nick Castellanos up to bat. One out. Here's what it sounded like. Here's the pitch. Swing and a high fly ball drilled out towards center field. That one back, back some more. Harris at the wall and he makes the catch. Racing back to first is Harper as the throw comes in. Cut off, throw to first, double play. Oh my goodness. Harris's throw got away from Albies, but Riley was there. And the game ends on an 8-5-3 double play. Holy cow. Holy cow, indeed, that 8-5-3 double play was the first one in Major League Baseball postseason history, and it was the first double play ever involving an outfielder to end a postseason game. 
Just a remarkable moment to end that game. And there is a critique of Bryce Harper's base running yes. as part of that. Oh, Rob Thompson threw him under the bus after the game. Like, his manager didn't pull any punches when he talked about the miscue and how you want to stop short of second base rather than going through the base. Yep. Yeah, and didn't necessarily work out for him. But you knew that the Braves were that offense that just needed a spark, and they got that spark in the sixth inning on the relay. Trey Turner ends up having a fielding error, allows Ronald Acuna, who got on base via walk, to actually score the first run, then things opened up. You got the home run by Travis Darno, and then the home run by Austin Riley a couple innings later. I mean, both of them had ducks on the pond when they hit those bombs. So, I mean, it was it was one of those games where you allowed the Atlanta Braves offense to wake up, and now you hope if you're Pat Scott Costello and the rest of the Phillies fans that it's not a prelude for what's to come in the rest of the division series. It is. It is. They're done. They're done. The Phillies are done. They're done, Wait, CeCe. Wow. Done. They're up for nothing. You don't have that kind of momentum shift and then come back from it. I mean, I'm sorry. I get the best team in baseball. Wait. We're talking about the best team in baseball. They have an Austin Riley home run. Yeah. They have an all-time double play that unfortunately reminds me of the uh, Andy Chavez double play for the Mets. I say unfortunate because they actually lost that game in uh, 2006 against the, the uh, Cardinals. But it, they're done. Great call by Boog Shambi, by the way. Go ahead, oh, Always a great call by Boog. Now let's do an emotional check-in with Pat Costello. Pat. They rally last night. Unprecedented ending. The bats for Atlanta comes alive. They come alive. How do you feel today? Uh, not great, if I'm <laughs> honest. Not great. Not great. Not feeling super confident heading back to Philly for the first time in a long time. So, yeah, it could be better. Could be better. All right, well, let's move to second base. I mean, you can't ask for a better outing than what Zach Wheeler gave you, though, yesterday, no, right? it's been amazing. I mean, six strong, only two earned runs, 10 Ks. I mean, I mean that's no – I mean, no, 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 Nola and Wheeler are doing their jobs. Now you just wonder, can the rest of that Philly staff do what they need to do to keep this Braves offense in check? We're going to see what they're made of. Yeah, Bouncing they, back from this game. Done. We'll see. All Done. Right. Wow. Done. Evan says they're cooked. Done. All right, let's move to second base. Guys, are the Dodgers cooked? The D-backs have been unbelievable against the Dodgers. (laughs) Their pitching has been so rough. So we talked yesterday about Clayton Kershaw, uh, that really bad first inning for him in Game 1. Now their rookie starter, Bobby Miller, again with a short outing yesterday. Kershaw and Miller, they worked a combined two innings and gave up nine earned runs. They have a combined 40.50 ERA through the first two games. It's the worst starters ERA over that span in postseason history. Do you think that the the Dodgers have any chance of coming back here? No, it's a wrap. This is a wrap. I mean, listen, Zach Gallen did his job yesterday. Nothing too flashy, five and a third, but he got you through the order twice, which is what you want your starter to do in a postseason game. Shout out to the D-backs bullpen because you had four relievers come in and they pitched no run ball. That's exactly what you have to have. But the most impressive part about how they've done what they've done and outscoring the Dodgers, what, 15 to four through the first two games is how their lineup continues to pass the baton. It's not like guys are trying to do too much. They create a lot of traffic on the bases, and then they knock guys in. They had three hits with runners in scoring position last night, and that's the difference between what they're doing offensively versus what the Dodgers are doing, and that's why they're going to be able to put them to bed in short order. And Tommy Pham has been great for the midseason acquisition, former Cardinal and, of course, former Met, because, of course, when he leaves the Mets, he's going to be even better. And they still, on ESPN.com, he's still in his Mets jersey, which makes it even worse having to look at that. Here's the thing. Dodgers are not done. That series is going five. That series is going so you're thinking that the Dodgers are going to win that series? Well, here's the thing. Remember, what the Phillies did was give the best team in baseball life. You can't do that. Arizona has been unbelievable so far this postseason, kind of out of nowhere. I'm not writing a Dodgers team that has a pedigree off just yet. Oh, I'm uh, writing them off. They're done. They're not, not winning. Doing They're it. not winning three straight. <laughs> you have Dave Roberts saying that he's going to give the ball to Kershaw again in game four. Well, they don't really have a choice. 
So I know they don't. But, 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 but I'm saying if thing is going hope, five, if they I give hope, the ball to Kershaw in Game Four, I hope there's not a college football game that there night. There you go. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> what night is that Game Four? Because Kershaw may have a college football game he needs to watch. That's a bold take saying that it, that it's going to go, go five. five if Kershaw gets the ball in Game Four after yep. what we saw from him. Yep, going five. Okay, well, um, let's go to third base. Guys, remember how I said the Orioles were going to the World Series? Me neither. Mm. I don't remember that either. I don't know. I don't know if I actually said that because they are on the precipice of defeat. They're in an uh, a 0-2 hole against the Texas Rangers. But the good thing for them is that this season they haven't been swept in a series all season. They actually haven't been swept in a series since Adley Rushman was called up in late May of 2022. So if you're an Orioles fan, you can at least take solace in that stat right there that this is not a team that gets swept. Here's the problem with that: the Rangers have not lost a postseason game, and they have Nathan Avaldi going today. Mm-mm. And Nathan Avaldi, <laughs> Nathan Avaldi has become one of these guys that maybe the numbers show it, maybe it doesn't. In my head. He's one of these Andy Pettit-like guys, John Smoltz-type guys. That's extreme. I get it. Put him in the postseason. I just trust that dude in the postseason. Yeah, he was the reason why the Red Sox were able to 100%. get a, one of their latest World Series championship. So, yeah, I, I trust Nathan Evaldi, too. Former Yankee, I don't like it. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is not a good spot to be in if you're the Baltimore Orioles, and we could be talking about another team that had 100-plus wins being ousted in the division series, which well, is wild. Let's go home, guys. Well, it might not really matter. Any of these stats we throw out with Rangers, Orioles, none of that might even matter because the Rangers have a song. They have a band that has been motivating them. So Andrew Heaney said that they have been listening to Creed pregame, guys, to motivate them. He started when they were struggling in the second half of the season this year. They started playing Creed, and it's been motivating them and helping them find their rhythm and their good luck, and that he's hoping that Creed is played throughout the ballpark in their home games this week and that fans are singing along to Yeah, every championship team got a soundtrack. Hey, hello, Gloria, the Blues, I know. The Rich Forever mixtape, Rick Ross, 2011, that's what we rode as the New York Giants to a championship, so... I guess Creed is, Can what, you is, what, is what the Texas Rangers are doing. Higher. Yeah. I, I know this song. I'm not familiar with a lot of their work. But I mean, as long as it works for the Texas Rangers, what difference does it make, right? But it's funny. But people that- listen to music as a bit. Mm-hmm. Because nobody in that clubhouse's favorite band is Creed. I promise you. It might be now. You think anyone in now, the, in the yes. Blues dressing room was like, you know what? I love Laura Branigan. Her songs hit. <laughs> that, Absolutely you know, not. Said but no one ever. Gloria's their favorite song ever now. That song's a little bit better than it gets credit for. Gloria. It's a full bop. Yeah, it's a little bit full better bop. than it gets credit for. But I think, so you guys had like a cool hip song that year. That was hot that year, right? No, I mean, the whole mixtape was Right, was but I'm fire, saying yeah. that you've seen a trend now where people find the random thing that they're going to be made fun of mm-hmm. as they're rallying cry. Gotcha. So what's the difference between a full bop and another bop? Like you just said, it's a full bop, but then it's like, is there the a half song. bop, a quarter bop, three quarter bop? Here's what it is. What's up? Sometimes just the chorus is a bop. Yeah. yeah. The whole song is okay. a bop. Gloria, okay. it has a beautiful crescendo. It builds gotcha. up to the chorus, and it takes you on home. Okay, you know so full saying? bop, diddy bop, is different things. <laughs> okay, okay. I, like, Just wanted to make sure. I got bye, 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 full bop. 
In sync. Uh, no. <laughs> Negative Ghost Rider. Listen, I <laughs> the love pattern is full. I don't think that that's one of Take the best songs in the catalog. Take us the break. We got it. I am stunned. Take us the break. Stunned with that. Take. I actually like if we didn't have this going on, we wouldn't like that she, song. She tried wow. to help you. Go ahead and take us the break. We good. Will the NFL move on from the Tush Push next? Wow. Bye bye bye. <laughs> this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around. Different stressors, I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit... Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. For those on the TV and radio non-podcast side, you hear a little Meek Mill, you hear a little Philly in there. Hello, Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. Now, why do you hear that? That is because of the fact that the Philadelphia Eagles have done something that has become basically unstoppable in this league this year. And they are really the only team that does it in a way that is completely and utterly unstoppable. Yes. Others have tried it. Yes. They have failed at it. Others have a guy that pitches the ball backwards off of a fake version of it. But we are talking about the tush push. Mm-hmm. And there's been this outcry in the NFL now about the idea of the competition committee reviewing this in the offseason, which is not something that surprises any of us because of injuries, because of failures at it, and also because there's been many other people that think, hey, this should be outlawed. It's ridiculous. Let's take away competition committee. Let's take away injuries. Let's take away the ease of it for Philadelphia. Do you believe, Chris Canty, 11-year NFL veteran, that it is a legit football play? Yes, I do believe it's a legit football play. Why, and why do you think those who don't are saying that? 
that they don't believe it is. I, I'm not sure why. I guess because you have some semblance of it in rugby and they have that association to it. But it, they've been doing quarterback sneaks forever. And we see players, whether it's quarterbacks or running backs in the goal line, get pushed into the end zone by offensive linemen, by fullbacks and, and, and other players. So this is just a more organized version of what we've seen in the red zone and the goal line and short yardage situations in the NFL for decades on end. I think the Eagles are in a unique position because of the skill set of Jalen Hurts, mm-hmm. because they got a quarterback that's 230-plus pounds and squats 600 pounds. They can do this and have a higher success rate than virtually anybody else. So I, I, I think it's a football play. I don't know why people are trying to delegitimize that aspect of it. If there's any aspect of the tush-push or the brotherly shove that can be attacked, it's the player safety angle, but – in terms of it being a football play, I, I don't know how you, you, you try to argue against that. But is that fair to Philadelphia then that we're talking about the legitimacy of this play and if the NFL should ban it? Because just no. because they found a clever way to exploit the rules and based on their personnel and their talent – build a play that works to their advantage, it feels like they're going to somehow be punished for that because you said it, Evan, it's only unstoppable when Philly runs it. All these other teams have tried to imitate it and they can't execute it in the same manner. The Giants tried to do that and they got two offensive linemen hurt (laughs) and then they didn't pick up the first down. So it's not as if it's a fait accompli that a team that lines up to do it in a a short yardage situation, a yard or less to go, they're going to automatically convert. It's just the Eagles are better at it than anybody, everybody else. Okay, so Smalls, you're asking the question, should a team, in this case Philadelphia, be penalized for finding a loophole in the rules, capitalizing on it, and doing it better than anyone else? And I don't think they should. Yeah, the who matters. Because trust me, if this were Tom Brady and Bill Belichick's New England team, everybody would say that this should not be allowed. Everybody would say. Because we've yeah, seen but, it. Yeah, but they have a history. A history of what? What are they doing that's illegal? Of They're habitual line steppers. What are you talking about? The what are they doing? What is Philadelphia do- doing that's illegal? I'm saying that they, the Tom they, Brady, Bill Belichick Patriots have done things, have illegal. Done things but, illegal. But, but, <laughs> right. but they have had many times, including the playoff game against your your team, where they had to tackle right. inelig- or tackle eligible tight end, ineligible, whatever and, it was. And they changed the rule. They yeah. changed the rule, right. Mm-hmm. But everything they did in that moment was legal, correct? Yeah. Right. Yeah, but they're habitual line steppers, though. That's right. why they don't get the benefit of the doubt when it comes to things like this. That's yeah, fine. Maybe, yeah. maybe changing rules that they've been or on plays like this that they've been able to exploit is one thing, but it's really making up for other things that they've done. That's all it is, yeah. Come on. It's, that's this, I, it's, I understand. it's retroactive punishment. I understand. Just like Deflategate was retroactive punishment for Spygate. Yeah. Right. Well, Deflategate, we don't need to go down here, but if you actually read about it, it is exactly that. It's yeah. retroactive for Spygate. But my point in saying that is if there's a debate about it, it's simply because of the fact that it works. And this is where you get into this slippery slope of, okay, so someone is smart in the NFL. Things work. We should then ban it and outlaw it. Like the way the Dolphins shift, no other team in the league has done that. They, they, just, they do things differently than any other team. And a guy could get hurt playing defense against them. Are we going to then ban their shifts? Yeah, but I, I think it's always a – the, the, the concern of relative to other plays in the NFL, is it a higher rate of injury or a higher risk of injury? And that's what the competition committee is committed to studying now. It, it has the attention of the powers that be, and they're going to look at every instance when we're talking about the tush-push or the brotherly shove, short yardage situations, goal line situations, when they use it, does this play present a higher risk of injury 
relative to other plays around the National Football League. Just like what happened with the changes in the rules on the kickoff play. Like they made teams get the ball at the 25-yard line as opposed to the 20 to incentivize teams to take touchbacks because the kickoff was such a dangerous play in football. They outlawed uh, defensive linemen and linebackers being pushed on field goal and PAT blocks from from guys off the line of scrimmage because they recognized that it was a higher rate of injury relative to other plays around football. So I think that's where it's going to come down on. And I said this before and I'll say it again. If this play ends up being outlawed, it's going to be because of players' safety. It's not going to be because it it's not a legitimate football play. And I think that's how they have to look at it. Now, when you look at the tush push of the brotherly shove, it looks a lot like old school PAT and field goal block where linebackers used to push defensive linemen to try to break through and block kicks. They outlawed the latter. I could see them going down the road of outlawing the former and getting rid of the brotherly shove altogether. Now, the numbers may not work as well in this, but theoretically, let's use the same concept of other players pushing a guy into the end zone. If you're just a hand around and hand the ball off and you basically have the wishbone backfield, couldn't you do that? Or is that now going to be illegal? Like any pushing of a player into the line of scrimmage and past the line of scrimmage. You know what I'm saying? Like if you put the wishbone backfield in there, technically couldn't you do that? With the, you give the ball to the up back and the two backs, the half backs in essence push. Yeah, but the workaround is, okay, you can't push a guy when he's behind the line of scrimmage. You can right. only push him when he gets to the other side of the line of scrimmage. That way you outlaw what happens with the tush push and the brotherly shove. You can still get the plays where the running back is close to the end zone and the offensive line gives him the old heave hole and gets him in there. You can still have that play. You would just say if the guy is at or behind the line of scrimmage, you can't push him in the back. And so, But if it were up to you, this continues. I'd have to see the results. Like, they're going to do the research. I I do think it's a concern when it comes to player safety. Uh Like, I'm always going to be pro-player in that way. Sometimes you got to protect the players from themselves. I know a lot of guys around the league are like, hey, they can do it. They're good at it. We need to do it and get better at it, too, and use it as a weapon. But that play could be dangerous. And I'm worried about the counter to that play, the escalation. Okay, you're doing this as an offense. What does the defense do to try to slow that down? Do they now put linebackers behind defensive linemen and start pushing those guys? Now all of a sudden you're talking about defensive linemen and offensive linemen being used as as nails and those guys pushing them being the hammers. It, it creates a level of force and a level of collision that you know inevitably is going to lead to more injuries. So that's the biggest concern that I have, not just the play itself, but the reaction by defenses and how they try to counter it. I would say it's third in my mind of things that we need to look at. The fumbling forward and the turf would be above that. Rex Ryan has compared him to Joe Montana. Who's him? We'll get to that next. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.